Hey everybody, welcome to Life in Commune. As always, this podcast is fully sponsored by our online yoga studio, communeyogastudio.com, uh, where this month you can use the code Mobility Matters only until April 1st. The code is only good till April 1st. So if you're interested in using it, you've debated it, you've been listening to the podcast, you're thinking about taking some mobility classes, some yoga classes, moving better, feeling better in your body, now is the chance. Use the code all capital letters, Mobility Matters, so Mobility Matters in all capital letters at checkout when you sign up for a monthly subscription that will get you $10 off a month for six straight months. So it only costs you $20 a month for your first six months of membership. Plus you get the week free to just kind of try it out and see if it's your vibe. With that being said, everybody, it is time to get into this week's episode, which is all about the mobility practices we do. It's all about us. It's what we like. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's about us, but I guess it's brought to you by us. Yeah. <laughs> but also, my hope is that since we're at the end of this month and the end of this like overarching theme where you all have been digging into mobility in perhaps a new way than before, that this insight will give you some ideas of how you can continue to incorporate this into your life. Like we talked about last week, just like, do I have to do these same classes forever to be doing mobility? And instead, our hope is that we've exposed you to many different things. You found some that you really like and some that are maybe you did it, but you might not revisit. And and that you kind of now have an idea of how this fits into your body and your life. You noticed that doing it before had a different impact than doing it after, and you've got more data to play with. So now you can kind of craft your own approach to a mobility practice, one that really fits into your life and makes sense alongside perhaps your already existing yoga practice. One thing I think you forgot to say there, not only ones that you like, but there's the other ones that you need. Oh, yes. The ones that yes. you need. <laughs> Those ones hit a little bit different, uh -huh. whether you like them or you don't. When you're in that zone of like, ugh, but like, this is actually, actually for me. <laughs> this is this is really for me. This is really my thing. Like, I uh, I do so much stuff with my toes all the time, and yet, and I can spread my toes quite wide apart. It's <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of an awkward vibe sometimes. And I, Carly used to make fun of me all the time because I'll adjust my mat with my toes. Uh, like in the beginning of a workshop or something, I'll grab no, it with no. my feet. Let's tell the real story. Let's just be <laughs> honest. You will adjust the mat with your toes, but what you will do is mid-conversation. Yeah. In a big workshop, there are people looking at you as you discuss something. And while you're doing that, for the listeners, you can't see, I am pretending to grab things, paw at the earth with my fingers, but imagine they're Patrick's toes. Grabs the mat and straightens it, shuffles it to the side, gets it exactly where he wants it, sometimes more crooked than where it started, but it needs to happen while you're giving a talk. I cannot. For, you don't even know you're doing it, I don't think. I'm just organizing time and space. For some, <laughs> don't worry about like it. I'm orienting myself with the room. Oh, okay, it. so yeah, it's see? like just a little aligned yeah, with, see? yeah. Okay. It's, it's creating that alignment, but uh, most recent workshops, no mat at all, so, you know. Yeah, I think we just have to take those distractions out. It's like when you fiddle with something with your hands, it's like you just have to put it down and walk away. No. It's just not possible with you in the mat. I would love to hear from anyone who's been in a workshop if anyone's ever noticed that. Have you noticed it? Do you have any like sneaky uh, TMZ videos of Patrick <laughs> pulling it together? Because I have pictures in my head, but I do wonder if it's only something I noticed because we've been in so many workshops together. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or if this oh, let's is a forward-facing... Yeah. Uh, little for, habit for, you have yeah for, for the future though now 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 people are everyone's gonna be taking videos the, sending them in i love it of the absurdity um but so again i can spread my toes apart quite well mm -hmm. right but my big toe elevating it mm -hmm. that's always worked for me mm 
-hmm. like always every single time, no matter what, or like hip extension. Yeah. It's always worked for me no matter what. And so I I do this stuff every single day and I should do it every single day. You know what I'm saying? Do you like it? It's a learn to like thing. I think it's, it's, I think it's one of these things where you know, it's better when you do it. Yes. Other, well, you get the feedback that something else is better. So you're like, okay, even if I didn't enjoy that thing or it didn't like light me up to do toe work. Yeah. Later you see it show up somewhere else and you're like, oh, that's actually the fruits of that labor. Exactly. And then it's like it, it back tricks you into liking the work because you saw how impactful yeah, it's it like was. Yeah, it's like a simple like aha moment. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah, cause and effect. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that, that totally I lands I will for me. keep doing that. Yes, 100%. And so I think that finding these things for yourself is obviously super important. We've talked about that quite a bit. Um, but what do we do? So Carling, where, where do you fit in your mobility work? How does that play into your life? How does that play into um, your yoga practice? And again, this is a very loaded question, so we'll try to cut it down piece yeah. to piece, but we'll start, we'll start on your end. So currently, but, no, let's, let's even rewind. When you first started really diving down this mobility rabbit hole, where did you fit it in? What, what, how did you organize that? Yeah, I, for me, so... I think my initial interest was just an infusion of mobility into the yoga practice because I already knew I was going to be on my mat. That yeah. was what my, that was what my habit was. That's what I had worked through to be like, even if I don't always, you know, like we talk about, not every practice is like rainbow and sunshine. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard and it's uncomfortable, but you know that there's a later cause and effect for why you do it. So I feel like at first I already had all of that routine and ritual built in of my practice. So mobility infusing into my practice was a natural place to kind of fall in love with it. Cause it was like, well, I already love yoga and now I'm just doing something a little different on my mat. And that's how I started. But as I progressed, I actually ended up liking to take things in the other direction and kind of separate it. So even though I, you know, in this month we've done a lot of like vinyasa X mobility or something like a mobility flow or lunar where it's kind of infused, I actually quite like to draw the line a little bit and let my yoga practice be my yoga practice. And if some mobility things show up in it, great, but I don't try to infuse, like make it a mobility practice. I just let it be a yoga practice. And then when I think about mobility flow or lunar flow, I think of that as really different than my yoga practice. I think of that as I'm in a mobility work, I'm working on proprioception, I'm working on brain body stuff, but I actually don't really classify that in my brain as the same as my deeper dive yoga practice. So I like my mobility to be separate and even Oftentimes, I'll pair it with strength work. Like we talk about how a lot of mobility work is strength at length, that it is a, a version of strength training in some capacity. So I'll pair it and actually um, link it up with when I'm doing a strength workout or if I'm lifting weights or doing something that's a little bit more calisthenics based. I wrap my mobility in with those days and then I let my yoga, my yoga practice just be my yoga practice. And then I see the benefits of all the other things I do, strength or weightlifting or mobility. I see it on my mat but I, I don't anymore like it to be the same. I don't want to think that technically as much when I'm on my mat doing my own thing. It's like I want them to be two separate things. That's kind of what, where the question I was going to ask is, um, what, when did you notice the shift and kind of like what was the spark for yeah. that shift? Was it something over time? Was it like, a, like oh, I just want to start doing this yeah. now? I think it's very funny how so much of what we do in yoga or even in kind of like this more mindful mindset is like this gra- everything is a gradual change mm-hmm. but sometimes you just you're just like Flip no the switch yeah i just want to do this now yeah i think mine switched more when i just 
I noticed that I was, my yoga practice was veering more and more into mobility and other things. And then I noticed myself craving that safe space of a yoga practice, like yeah. missing the container of that and missing like, oh, the tradition, the ritual of it, because it had morphed into something that was a little bit more multidisciplinary than what I realized was actually like soothing my soul part of the practice versus doing the physical side of it. And it also, this is not going to be a surprise, but I have a tendency to overthink things and to over-intellectualize them. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. It wasn't really to me, but the natural progression was now I was over-intellectualizing my practice, the mobility, the wrapping it in, and like grappling with, grappling with that, like, well, is this yoga? Is this movement? And finally it was like, well, I don't know that I need to define anything. I just, I'm just gonna split it up so I don't even have to think, like, I don't need to think about it. Like, these can be things that are complementary, but they're separate in my life. And I've realized I have more gratitude for my yoga practice standalone and more gratitude for my mobility practice and my weight training and everything else in that bucket. And I don't feel the need to make either more than it is. Yeah, and that, and that helps me when I just think about what am I doing today? Where's my brain? And it also makes me value them each respectively rather than trying to multitask. Because again, sometimes when we think we're multitasking, we're just like switching back and forth and we're not actually giving anything our all because we're doing a little bit of everything. Sometimes it's necessary with time, but with more time on my hands, I like to split it up if I can. That makes sense. For someone that teaches from a very technical place, um, did you notice that your mobility education was like leaning in too much to the space, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I'm already so technical and I could feel, and a lot of mobility work, it, we, everyone here who's been through the month has felt this, that there are times where you're like, we've talked about this, it's repetitive. Oh yeah. yeah. And it is like, it, it's not, you know, in the yoga practice, even if you're doing a ritualistic practice and in everything, you have a different sense of who you are each day when you get on the mat, when you do it. But mobility work is so much more um, specific and even goal oriented, even if the goal yeah. is to simply feel better and, you know, sit on the ground with your kids, there's still a goal in a different way. And I found that it, as a person who is already quite technical, it was going to lean into my teaching that I might have become completely insufferable if I, you know what I mean? Like if I'm to take those holds have gotten even longer. Yeah. And me, you know, and I also, I don't, as a teacher, I'm not great at keeping time. So in a mobility practice, when I'm teaching kin stretch, I can drop into a different mindset that's like... Do you think you're better than me than me at staying on time? Look, I'm going to say neither of us are the best at keeping Same. time. I do wear a watch and I try to like keep myself honest now. But mobility taught me more of teaching mobility. taught me that, okay, you have no concept of what 30 <laughs> seconds is, Carling. So it got me better at that. But it also meant that when I went back, when I'm teaching yoga and I'm flipping back and forth, then I'm bringing that more like, okay, 10, nine. When you're counting reps in mobility, I don't like to count reps in yoga. I want to talk about breath. I want to talk about the other things, all of the other technicalities I like, but I could feel that when you hybridize, then all of a sudden I'm having to switch what kind of teacher I am between. And that just didn't feel as good to me teaching. And so I think the separation on a personal practice probably also benefited my teaching so that my yoga classes could stay what felt like me as a teacher and then my mobility classes can stay what feels like me as a teacher without things getting too, um, too much permeation between. Nice. And so now when you do your mobility work, you mainly do it separate with weightlifting, after weightlifting, with other forms of workouts? Like when, when does that show up for you most throughout the week? Yeah, I, I generally do almost all my mobility work and I sandwich it with weightlifting. 
So I will do it. I don't generally do it around my yoga practice because something that's so different between our bodies and everyone's is like, for me, the yoga practice tends to do enough warming up mm-hmm. enough in that way to get me where I need to go. Certainly I could do a mobility prep, but I find that my body doesn't need, need it for the way that I exist on the mat for, you know, I, I'm not particularly goal oriented in my practice. I'm usually just there to show up and do something and see how it goes. Uh, versus when I am weightlifting or in the gym, I am a lot more goal oriented. So I will be much more methodical about what am I going to use from a, you know, I'm always going to use my cars as part of my warm up, some dynamic, some like ballistic stuff to prep for what I'm doing and to make sure that then when I do weightlift, that's oftentimes a version of weighted mobility, right? And Very then, much. and then I might use, you know, whether that's in the midst of a multi-dimensional class or just pure weightlifting at the end of it, then I'm going to use some of that passive nervous system recovery, some of that brain reset, and then perhaps some active stuff to take advantage of everything else, just depending on how much, you know, energy juice I have left. But I almost always sandwich it with weightlifting. Um, I think it also makes me feel like I'm, this is, I know this is not how it works, but there's this thing in your brain that happens when you do things aside from yoga as a lifetime yoga person that I almost feel like I'm cheating on yoga. That even a million years later, I'm still kind of like, oh, okay, but it's not my practice. It's not the same. So it's in my brain, just having an extra mobility chunk makes it feel like, okay, you're not losing that thing. Do you know what I mean? It feels like I haven't totally like gone to the other side. So I feel like I also keep that switch in my head of like, you're still doing the thing, even though you're over here. And that's, yeah. that helps me um, kind of tie the through line a little bit, at least in, in my head, even though I know it's silly. Well, I think it's nice to know that there is a through line. Mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the things, especially I feel that when we were coming up in this space as students and instructors, there was, that didn't exist as much. Yeah. And um, you know, looking back on it, I really find that to be a bit of a disappointing mindset that I sat with at that time. Uh, not because I didn't love all that I was doing with my yoga practice, but I feel that um, understanding the versatility of the world doesn't give you this shift from one conditioning to the next conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that is a much more of an open playing field for um, personal exploration and things like that. Do you uh, feel like it was frowned upon for a long time to do anything but yoga? I, I do you feel like you still have that in your head at all? I, ever? I like that have, voice I telling? My, I don't even have it in my head at all anymore. But yeah. I definitely, I, nor do, did I, maybe I had it a bit the first few years mm-hmm. because I think I was so immersed in the process yeah. of it. And I didn't want to ever feel like I was trying to beat yoga. Like I feel that there were so many things um, where I was like, oh, yeah, but you're doing that, but you're just doing that to do this better, to get better in your yoga. practice. And yeah. so then you're just doing this to beat your practice. Mm. And um, my practice is never just, has never really been that aesthetic. Yeah. Um, to me, it's more just about an awareness and an understanding of what I'm doing yeah. versus what I think I'm doing and trying to create an alignment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was all, one of the reasons that I really like tried to sit in the yoga pocket so much with everything in the beginning of it all. Because again, I didn't ever want to feel like I was trying to win. Yeah. It. Like, cause, because I, I wasn't, nor am I still. Like, I'm just trying to to find practices. Um, I, I think one of the most beautiful things that I've learned about yoga over time is this process of practices or the, yeah, the practice of many different processes, if you will. Because a practice becomes something that you can go back to 
And there's many different forms of practices, just like there's many different lineages and purposes to all the different yoga practices you could possibly do. Uh, and so with those things, it really, there's a practice gives you something like a recipe gives you something, you know, and as you lean into more and more of those things, you create these awarenesses. So in the beginning, I, I, I don't feel like there was the, the, that through line because I was really trying to be immersed in what, an, or to create an understanding into what I believed yoga to be for me at that time. Um, but now I think with all of this different information out there um, and the, I don't know if you want to call it like the experimental fitness, if you will, or experimental movement yeah. industry is so much broader than oh it gosh, was back yes. then. The like, access to options this access is to options so and information is yeah. so much bigger, which I think is wonderful, mm -hmm. um, no matter what you prefer, uh, because it, it it gives you an understanding that like you can't do everything, but you can do something. And hopefully that something is what you need. Like, I, 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 it's very similar, I guess, to my very limited and only as a fan experience of watching MMA, right? So, like, when I first started watching MMA, UFC mainly, obviously, I, like, it was just exciting to me. So it was one yeah. of the, the, the thing that I think is so interesting about MMA um, is that your whole life is building up to this very particular moment on this very particular day, four times a year if you're new, three times a year if you're coming up, mm -hmm. two times a year if you're really good, and like one time a year if you're like the champion. Yes. Like your whole life is building up to this hyper particular moment in time. Like, hey, you have to be your best. Right on, now. Yeah, on Saturday, May 20th. I don't even know if that's a Saturday. Yeah. At... 10.03 p.m. And you have to be really good from 10.03 p.m. to, you know, 10.48 p.m. And if you're great during this hyper-specific period of time... Your whole life could change. Your whole life changes. Yes. Like, your whole life changes. And that's so wild to me because it's the reverse of really what we teach and share in so many different ways, which is be mindful. There's value in all moments. Every all, moment and, is equally as yeah. valuable as the next. Every pose equally yeah. as valuable. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And so that, that's what, that's like the thing that fascinated me so much about MMA is like mm -hmm. literally you're in this such, such a specific moment and like you could have done all the preparation for the world in this moment and if you flopped in that one particular period of time, we're in March Madness right now too and so you're kind of seeing that if you watch, watch sports game. at all. Yeah, if you, if you watch sports at all, it's like, oh my goodness, like um, American College of Basketball for those of you that are from abroad or just don't care um you know like you could have had this phenomenal season or this phenomenal career if you're like a senior and some of these dudes are like fifth year seniors because of the covid season or yeah. whatever and so it's like man like you've worked from like probably eight to 23 for like this moment especially if like you're a small school player yeah and like this is the moment where like you get to do it and if you just don't do it it's just like oh all that all that yes all that yeah which is crazy. It's a super high pressure thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, especially as an adult, when you get out of the, I mean, different than MMA, I know it's adults fighting in yeah. MMA, but there's something when you get out of the competitive arena for whatever mm. it is you did, whether it's group sports as a kid or the college yeah. basketball, any of that, when you're in this just like open world of being an adult who enjoys movement, enjoys fitness, mm. does things extracurricularly, it can be this interesting experience of like, oh, I have to self-motivate and care every day. Yeah. Every time I get on the mat, I have to craft a mobility practice, a yoga practice, a ritual that is like 
long term what works for me feels better because there's not that end game. There's yeah. not that like I'm working towards this day and then after that I get a break, I get a whatever. It's like you got to find a way to incorporate into your life, make your routine that you want to keep doing that works because otherwise like there's no one telling you you have to. Exactly. There's no moment of culmination where it's like I hope you did your mobility because today's the day. Like it's going to show. It's like it's just up to you. And that's why I think it's so interesting to think about, well, okay, how does it show up in your life? And if it needs to change or evolve, but how will you make it a part of your life? Because no one's checking on you. No. Nope. You know what I mean? There is no high pressure and, moment. And it, and it only matters as much as it matters to you. Mm-hmm. And you build that in over time and over time. And it's all layered and detailed in different ways. And there's so many different multifaceted disciplines and, and ways to approach it, right? Yep. So again, when, when I first started, when we first started watching MMA, like I only really was like, oh, like there's striking and then there's ground fighting mm-hmm. and ground fighting looks slow. You're like, not, that's boring. Stand him up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I was like, oh, his ground, this guy's really good at striking. Uh, and he's about to fight a wrestler. Well, he can just go practice wrestling for a few weeks and then he'll be ready. And it's just, it's like, it's like, no, fam, that's actually not. The insult. A, yeah, that's actually not. I was like, oh, he's been training his BJJ. Okay. He'll be fine against yeah, this person be, that's been doing it their whole life. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, that's just, that's not how it works, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but again, all of these different movement modalities, all of these different yoga practice modalities, all, all these different mobility modalities have a unique focus, preference, um, particularity to them that creates such a um a dynamic experience and an understanding that like you have to pick and choose like you can't you can't be phenomenal everywhere mm-hmm. it's not possible Mm-mm. because because we're all again we're all constricted by time and energy right like how much time do you have maybe a lot maybe a little how much energy do you have maybe a lot maybe a little but no matter who you are mm-hmm. you're all we're all constricted by those two factors in some capacity and so you can only incrementally create progress by letting go of one thing you want to do to bring more focus awareness and yeah. attention to another and again if you want to be as general as possible then everything will just generally get better over a long, long period of time. You have to kind of look at things in that type of light. Yeah, you have to kind of understand what you're crafting within the capacity that you have space for in your Mm -hmm. life, you know? In the same way that um, I separate what I do out, I have a routine. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Of like when I like to do things, what time, when I have time in my day, when I know I will have energy for it, right? Like I often do my yoga practice in this season of life at night. Yeah. I often do it after Harvey goes to bed or in the evening. What a revolution. I know. There's probably podcasts what, of me what a revolution. in years past being like, I don't do anything past 7 p.m. Because I did five. it for five once it's dark. I mean, Seattle in the winter, four. Yeah. Like four. In December, January, it's barely four o'clock. Okay. That's basically bedtime here. Yeah. Uh, so we're in the north. So, but in this season of life, the way that I'm practicing and how I'm moving and what I have capacity and interest in is an evening practice. But I know, I don't, I don't, same way, I don't care about mobility at 8 p.m. I don't care. And I don't care about doing a disciplined, hard pails and rails then. It doesn't, it's not in me. But I do care about doing a practice that feels good, moves my body, and gets me going in many different directions, right? Where I do have space and time for that mobility practice or that strength side of things is when I have programmed into my day caffeine, 
morning energy, right? I, I like to be in a group setting where I'm in a place where there's energy and things around me and then I will do it, right? Because structure. I like structure. It helps structure. me, you know? And that's very different than even how I know that you incorporate mobility into your routines is that you're kind of the opposite, right? You, it's all blends to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more blended um, out of necessity and out of interest, I think. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, like plain and simple, as I was talking about before, like I could do hip extension every day, you know? And so if I really want to explore certain elements of my yoga practice or certain elements of the like free, more primal movement style that I also like to explore or going for a run or whatever, I really need to like get into some of these areas of my body that just for whatever reason, like they like to return to their original state, <laughs> you know? They're like, good Which, progress, we're gonna take it back. Yeah, not just yeah exactly. They're like, wow, like when you really uh, focus and warm us up in the way we want to, this is me communicating to my body, we'll do, we'll do any, pretty much anything you want us to do. But without- You miss one but step. But if you miss one step in that process, I don't know if we're gonna participate in the equation. <laughs> So that, that's that's really how it is for me, and and, um, and it's actually been a, a really beautiful learning process, to be perfectly honest with you, because um, I'm starting to understand how like my body works, right? Like I've had to learn these things. Mm -hmm. There's not been like an easy, straightforward path yeah. to any of this information. It's just like trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, 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 trial, so somewhat success, error, 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 trial, error. And it's just like, and that's really helped me create such a, an understanding to sharing information and then also to um, having a, a better just overall awareness to my own objectives. I mean, uh, it, it's shocking to me the amount of explosive work I did as a young athlete without any awareness towards these things. And I'm not even saying people weren't trying to teach me these things. Maybe they were, fam. Maybe they were. But it wasn't landing. <laughs> and I don't remember it being and in there. I don't remember it being there. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's so shocking to me, like, how, again, like, for example, like, my hamstrings and my upper glutes, my quads and thighs like to do their thing, mm -hmm. right? They like to they carry the load. They had a plan. They like to be busy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's, uh, like, Harvey has this book, uh, The Day the Crayons Quit or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if you've read this book, but it's um, it's it's a book where crayons write letters to this kid named Duncan, and they're they're on strike essentially because you know Duncan either doesn't use them or does use them or whatever. And it's, it's labor it's, politics yeah, see, so it's, early. Okay, yeah, it, it really is a vibe. It's not a bad thing to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a. The, one of them is like blue and blue is like, you know, and blue and gray are like, you always, like gray's like, I have to draw elephants and rhinos and all these big things. It's like, fam, can I get a break? And you know, my quads and thighs are like that, except they don't ever want a break. They're like, dude, let's just keep going. And so my hamstrings, um, you know, if I want to feel that level of explosiveness and or like control, whatever it is, um, making sure that my hamstrings are active mm -hmm. and, and really part of the equation is, is really important for well, me. Well, it makes sense yeah, or, where or you're like, like all the hip extension stuff. It's like, yeah. okay, well, I haven't been using that for my explosive exactly. work. Ever. Yeah. And it's just like, you're, because it's similar to what we talked about probably on the first podcast of the month, if not the second, 
if you're requesting something of your body, your body is going to do its best to perform or accommodate that request. But unless you have a camera or a mirror or something that's just sitting on you, you know, like giving you visual input, like, a, like I don't know, one of those machines that you see like athletes wear in like a training montage of the movie yeah. where they have the little balls all like over Like a little them. motion capture. Yeah, like a motion capture yes. thing. They're like, they're like, this is where you're, mm-hmm. you're fucking up essentially, right? And and you know, I never had that. I was just doing the bit, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so yeah, I was, I was just doing the, like the run up this hill 10 times in at least in less than 14 seconds. Well, and, and that was the thing. you're focused on accomplishing the task. And it's both like yeah. wonderful and a little depressing when you think about yeah. that. Like so many years later to have finally the self-awareness through all these years of internal and external work 100%. to be able to see and all the education and all the time on your mat that gives you that insight. But then you look back and you're like, well, okay, I could, if I had been doing this and this, and again, you're right, maybe the coaches were telling everybody yeah. that, but... Maybe they were. Uh, listen, I'm not the number of the bus, they weren't, but maybe they were. <laughs> Things have evolved a lot since, <laughs> since then. But it's true, it's an interesting insight to also, you have that reference point of like, oh, I actually see why I need this part of the practice, where I need it, when I need mm-hmm. it, how I need it, because it makes sense. Like if you follow the path of your life or the things you've been through, the way you've moved, all those patterns that exist, yep. then it's still going to show up now. It's just that you have like your watching eyes turned on, exactly. right? You, you can actually pay attention to it in a way that you're just not capable if you haven't spent that time kind of self-obsessing about it through a practice like this that just creates such a, a more focused lens yeah i mean 100 percent. like for example even in in our like awakening yoga practice when it comes to the continuity series mm-hmm. like i remember um just past i guess to almost two weeks ago at this point when i was teaching in manchester uh, uh we were doing a backbend workshop and i was like oh like okay i guess i'll i'll have to d- demonstrate circle wheel and like i hadn't really done much backbending yeah. that day but it was like because i know circle wheel and i know it I trust myself to move Mm -hmm. through it I can do it is it optimal no it's not Mm -hmm. if I'm not warmed up properly but can I do it yes I can do Mm -hmm. it because I know the steps to accomplish it you know it's it's no different than um right running or like making another food reference right but like if you know the ingredients you know or any I thought you were gonna say riding a bike could be it's no different bike. than riding listen, a bike, listen. which I was going to say, kind of rude. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> to someone I'm not, who I'm not, barely knows how to I'm ride not a bike. To, listen, <laughs> I'm not trying to shade you about your bike riding ability. And for the record, as we've discussed recently, you're better than you think because you have rode a bike in Amsterdam, which is better than more people can say. And you rode a bike in Amsterdam, you with your mindset around everything with the child strapped to my chest. So that's <laughs> without having a complete the breakdown. <laughs> without having a complete breakdown. I don't know how we pulled this off, but we did almost every single day. You rode a bike in Amsterdam, which most people will not do. So therefore, giving you some, Thank giving you. you your flowers. I in this moment I know here. a little bit how we pulled it off. I just I just internalized it all. Causes <laughs> people pleasing tendencies. Everything is fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and everything was fine. Just but. internal panic and external cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the flashbacks are real, and that's true. I did do that, so maybe it is in me more than I yeah, think that it is. Totally, yeah. you know, s- subtly better. Um, but 
there's, there's a difference between just like making a cookie with what you have and making a cookie towards a specific recipe, yes. right? Like when you have the right ingredients, mm -hmm. you know, you make a better cookie. When you're just kind of throwing something yeah, together. Yeah, when you follow the actual recipe. Yeah, when, when you open up the fridge and you're like, oh, okay, I got like these three ingredients and some bread, I have a sandwich. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I guess it's a sandwich, but like, you know. Is, is, it, is it different when you're like, go to the store, pick out the things you like in the sandwich and then go have the sandwich, right? You know, so that's true. I think that's, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, it's yeah. also, I think that it makes sense when you talk about how you incorporate mobility into what you do. Like, the, it's a precursor because it sets you up mm -hmm. for a more fruitful practice, 100%. an experience that you enjoy because that's how it's going to keep you doing it, right? Yeah. If you got on your mat every time, not you, but like an imaginary you, anyone, yeah. got on your mat every time you're frustrated because you can't move through what you want to move through or things feel like sludge and they're a struggle and you don't ever dig into like, why? Why mm -hmm. is this so hard? Or what do I need? What's missing? Is it the style of class? Is it the way I'm moving? Is it all of that? Then it's really hard to stay on your mat because you haven't figured out a way to make yourself want to stay on the mat. Exactly. But once you get a, that, even just like a tiny drop of self-awareness to say, oh, if I do this, this, and this, or if I, even just outside of mobility, if I get to the studio five minutes earlier, I set down my mat while the studio is quiet, I lay on my back, I, whatever, put a block underneath my shoulders before the teacher walks in, before it gets loud, and I am decompressed from the day before my practice starts, I have a better practice. Like, that's the information you need that says, okay, it's part of my ritual now. It's part of my ritual that when I think about what time class starts, it's five minutes earlier so I can lay on my back and, whew, instead of the first 10 minutes of class being like all wrapped up in your head about what was happening at work before you got there or with your kids, right? I think that adding the mobility element to like as a precursor is no different than that. It becomes part of your ritual because it's going to enhance the rest of what you're doing, right? It's not even that it has to be like a hybridized practice. It's just that like this is part of my ritual in the same way that perhaps like showering, having a clean yoga mat, getting into class on time would be because you know it's going to enhance the experience overall. Oh, 100%. It's, um, it kind of reminds me of this like subway analogy I used to have back when spending a lot of time in New York. Uh, you could get to the subway on time, you know when it's going, or you could run. <laughs> you know, and be sweaty when and, you get down. Sweaty when you get down there, and then more sweaty when you get on. Uh -huh. You know, I, and there's it's like that level of preparedness and understanding what it takes for you to prepare. Mm -hmm. uh, because this is advice we give. What you just said is advice we give to many teachers that we mentor, which is, well, what's your pre-class process, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're just showing up one minute before and then, you're, and then you're running in and the beginning, first eight minutes of class feel a little bit jumbled, well, yeah, fam, like that's on you because mm -hmm. that's not a part of what works well mm -hmm. in your offering at current. Yep. You know, that may be something that you get used to over time <laughs> because you show up one minute before class. <laughs> And for run many, in for many, many Maybe years. you need that adrenaline to pump yeah. you up to like the panic of will I make it? But it's no different than like uh, what do they call it? They call it sleep hygiene. Yeah. Like when you're trying to get ready for bed, and it's like if you just go straight from a million miles an hour and then you flick off the lights, crawl in bed, and you're like, I don't know why I can't fall asleep. It's yeah. like, well, we haven't taken the steps to actually switch environments to prepare ourselves for the next thing, right? That like you need that as a teacher too. I, like I know I'm not a person. None of this is this all. You guys know way too much about who I am on the inside, but I'm not a person who can run in one minute before. Yeah. Like it doesn't produce for me an enjoyable class. Even if maybe I taught a perfectly fine class for me, I'm all jumbled the first eight minutes. And I instead need to be there early enough to sit in my car to kind of like review my class plan. 
set my energy and then teach, right? Yeah. And so you have to spend time doing the thing, spend time in the practice to learn about yourself to figure that out. You may not know right now if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I like the mobility thing, but I don't know how to do it if Patrick and Carling and Shelby and everyone aren't just telling me what to do. Yeah. Like if Chris isn't telling me to do this with my hips, then how shall I know? Yeah. It takes a while to figure and, out and, and so again, what the, things are for you and what are the non-negotiables and how they fit in. Totally. And, and, and a simple answer to that is stick with those things that you found challenging or mm -hmm. those things that showed up for you, whether that was fun and challenging or, you know, easy, but fun, or whatever, whatever it was like, if you were in that moment in, you know, like Chris's universal hips class, mm -hmm. right. And you're like, whoa. I really, I connected on that one. Come back to it. Like, yep. Don't feel that it always needs to be fresh because that's just moving, a, that could be just moving you away from what you need mm -hmm. in that moment, right? Like if you're, you had the best handstands ever after uh, the short handstand shoulder focused practice, mm -hmm. shoulder magic, right? What that most likely means is you have limited overhead shoulder flexion or you have a challenging time controlling your overhead shoulder flexion. And so in that class, if you found more stability, you're answering your own question, which is wonderful because that's what we're always trying to do with all these different methods and all these different practices. What we're trying to do is empower you to answer your own questions so that you can ask new questions, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're stuck only asking yourself the same question over and over and over again, then you're not finding the answer. Mm -hmm. But if but if you found the answer and then you're like, oh, but I want this. On to the thing. next. Yeah, on to the next. It's like not that's not how it works. It's not it's not a you know a math problem in second grade. Want it like done. yeah, it, it's one of these things that it repeats, it repeats, it repeats, and everything again in the body shows up everywhere. And I think that's again another beautiful thing about the physical side of the yoga practice is that like everything is involved in the equation. You know, as we also say this all the time with with um, people in our trainings or students we mentor, which is or teachers that we mentor, which is just like, you know, you're gonna be able to repeat the process sometimes because that's how you get into it. How you, know? you learn. It's, it's how you learn. It's it's not just the the one time thing. All right, move away from it. It's like no, like you got to get in there. You got to sit in that pocket a mm -hmm. little bit and just keep letting things evolve. Right. You got to keep keep finding that space. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the novelty and novelty's great and it's good for our brains and it has absolutely a time and a place, but we don't have to trade novelty for perseverance and repetition when it comes to learning. They're both valuable, but yep. I think it's easy to, especially like where we started and we say the practices that maybe you didn't love, but you kind of need. It's easy to be like, okay, I needed that. That was better, but you know what? I'm not going to choose that again. Yeah. I'm gonna Give me something new. And we have to discern whether that is a distraction tactic or whether that is I'm craving novelty. I'm craving something new. Yes, follow that. You know what I mean? Like, let yourself do that. You don't have to, you know, hit it with the hammer over and over again. But it's important to acknowledge, okay, is that a distraction? Is that a redirection because I don't want to sit with this thing that I actually know is necessary? Or is that like a real impulse? Like, it sounds so good to do something new today. And I yeah. think sometimes we conflate them because we're so used to new short attention span. Give me the next one. Give me the next one. And, you know, we've given you new classes so much here at Commune, but I think... And, and you can always find one. Guys. And you can always I'll, pick I'll a new one. one, but I think it's important to sometimes acknowledge, am I choosing the new one because it's there and you're like, oh, I have some FOMO, I don't want to miss out on this new thing. Well, it's not going anywhere and yeah. you might get some uh, illumination into your practice by 
settling into repetition and revisiting things and then you get that perspective, okay, that was difficult and necessary on the first time and the second time and third time, but on, as you continue to move through it over time, over you know, days and weeks and months, how does that shift? It's hard to get perspective if you're always doing something new, right? Yeah. It's like so much information, you're, you don't have anything to recall. So how can you compare it to anything? Because you're just saying new, 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 and you're not actually getting that reference point. So I think that's important, especially in a mobility practice where you do need a reference point 100%. so that you can feel how it impacts the other things that it's meant to enhance. Like maybe the mobility part is more of that constant and how does it impact your yoga practice? How does it impact your ability to play with your kids or get down low or do whatever manual labor you do at work? How does it impact your weightlifting, the depth of your squat, all of that? You need that reference point. But if you do new all the time, then how are you going to know what's impacting what? you got too many, too many data points, right? And they're not giving you enough uh, focused information. Exactly. So for students, what is something that they can do before they practice? As like a do this before you practice, five-minute thing, mobility-based, and then try that for a month. My go-to is really I narrow down to cars. Yep, I do my, that I, was my exact same no, answer. Like we're, we're I, giving you one answer. You're not you, getting two. You're getting one. I do cars. Here's I what do. I do. I do cars, uh, and I'll do full body, but I'm not going to do, like, some of them are going to get more attention than others, yep. right? If I'm about to start a yoga practice, hips, shoulders, wrists, mm -hmm. ankles, and then... Spine? Spine. Yes, yeah, spine. But, I mean, depending on what you're doing. If I know I'm doing a practice that's going to have some inversions, I'm going to do neck, right? Yep. If I know I'm going to do a practice that's going to have mostly standing. So I might target depending if I know what's coming, but I think... Getting yourself into a routine of even it's 30 seconds a thing, whatever it is, run through your cars, let it just be a like tick box through it so it happens mm. to your body. And then the only other thing that I will like if I have no time for anything else is to do some 90-90 hip switches yep. and like up into a shin box to help kind of wake up the glutes and get a little bit of that extension and strength that you're going to get because especially most yoga practices are going to start with significantly more folding and significantly more um, hinging work. And you may not get any of that other work until the very end with True. back bends. And I want to wake up the glutes and the posterior chain first. I want to get that like online before I start just like stretching it. So that's the yeah. other thing that I'll, I'll tackle in there is cars, however you need to condense it down. And then 90, 90 hip switches with up into shin boxes side to side. And just, that also helps you. Okay. Where's my balance at? Where's mm -hmm. my proprioception? You're still pretty low to the ground. If you're in a studio, you're not going to be intrusive to those around you. If you're at home, you just need a few little bits. And then I think that that's usually my, like, if I, if I need to move, yeah. that's my first go-to. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely say like just one thing, very general, uh, shoulders, spine, hip cars, like mm -hmm. just hit those three, one, two, three, because you can get that done really quite quickly. Yep. Um, especially if you're, again, we're all limited with time, time yep. and energy. So that checks that box for me personally, again, um, an active, what's called a couch stretch or what we call in yoga practice, sometimes King Arthur stretch, which would be shin to wall, you know, pushing in and out there, mm. uh, just to create some hip extension, some length from knee to shoulder or, um, holding goddess pose, just kind of on and off and a bit of like a PNF style a little mm. bit where you're active, passive, active, passive. I think I did it a bit in the squat university class, um, that came out just this week on, um, coming online. So it, it's just one of those things where you're just like, Oh, similar to what you're saying is like, getting into this space, activating the back body, mm -hmm. getting some hinge points going in there just to kind of help my body understand the requests. But those are the spaces that I really find to have like the best bang for your buck, if you will. I absolutely agree. And then a lot of the other stuff, 
you're probably going to cover in any other, like the warm-up for class, whatever, but you've kind of done your due yeah. diligence, and then you can be open to the experience and what else comes with that. Yeah. All right, y'all. Great session. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, we look forward to practicing with you soon in person, online, or wherever that may be, and have an amazing rest of your day.